Revelation. And as you can see to this point, we are not running through this. It is not a race. I attempted to try to do that early on because I just thought, let's just get through this. Um, the more that I dig and the more that the Lord reveals, the more I see this is not about a race. Even though the book itself has the word um, tachio, which is quickly, quickly, quickly. The events that are happening happen very quickly. And it's just in a rapid succession as this thing starts. But um, if we just go quickly, quickly, we're going to miss a ton of what God is doing and showing and wanting us to see through the book of Revelation. How many have enjoyed it so far? How many have learned a lot more about the whole Bible just from studying this book? And that's, that's what I've been experiencing. So last week, um, if you weren't here, we went through the book of Ruth and seen how that ties into the redemption and how Jesus plays the role of our um, goal or a kinsman redeemer. And, and, and that's what's going to happen in this final outcome. So we're going to um, get into some of the titles uh, this week. And what they mean. So in chapter 5, verse 1, it says, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book written inside and on the back, sealed up with the seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it. And John says, I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or to even look into it. One of the elders, here's where our text is going to be studying today. And one of the elders said to me, stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome. So as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and he took it out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now we're going to get a couple verses probably into this today. Um, I could tell by the deposits that the Lord was giving me. Um, we're probably going to be in verse 5 and 6 today. Um, we're not going to be able to get to the seven eyes and the seven horns and, and all of that. But um, the, today's title of the message is The Lion and the Lamb. We've heard that title many times. Um, but the, And this is where it comes from. This is the only place that you hear that. The lion and the lamb given is in chapter 5. I want you to start recognizing as we get into chapter 5, chapter 4 was the worship of, of basically the Father on the throne. All of chapter 4 is worshiping the Father on the throne. As we get into chapter 5, the worship shifts to the lamb. And um, from that point forward, really, this set in the tone of the rest of the book. Now, something I want you to see is, is from this point forward, as these titles come in chapter 5, um, John said, and the title says, it says, the one, on the, one of the elders said to me, stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah and the root of David has overcome so as to open the books. And then he goes on in chapter, in verse six says, and the lamb was standing. From this point forward in the book of Revelation, all the titles of Jesus, man, you guys seem like you're way the far back there. If I'd have thought about this, I think I'd come put this thing up there. Um, from this point forward, though, all the titles for Jesus are Jewish. Just, just a free little nugget. Um, you've seen the titles to the churches. All of those titles that, that Jesus himself is calling himself are the titles and the names that are proceeding in chapter 1. From chapter, this chapter, once you get into the throne room, and as what I see in the elders, who are who? The church are in heaven. Even the titles of Christ change. All the titles, all the names that go to Jesus from this point forward are all Jewish. The focus, in my humble opinion, 
shifts, once the church is caught up with the harpazo, the whole purpose, and that's what we saw in even the book of Daniel, right? You've seen that it was this, this day, that Daniel's 70th week, is for your people, Daniel. It's for, the main focus is Israel. We're in a different time shift. It's a different, it's a different um, dispensation. The church age is over, and now the focus is back to Israel. You follow me? Just a little fun note. Even the titles that, that Jesus has given, that he's being used, are all Jewish from this point forward. This, is, this, this section in this chapter 5 is really the very essence of the gospel that's been heard ever since there was a promise given in Genesis in the garden. And it's, it was this, that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. Amen? How many knows that's a, that's a good thing? <laughs> that was prophesied in Genesis, that the seed of the woman, speaking of Christ, would crush the head of the serpent. This is what you're beginning to see unfolding as we get into chapter 5 of Revelation. Judah, this title, the Lion of the Tribe of Judah. Judah is the leader of all the tribes. It's, it's where the kings and, and um, the kings would come through that line. That was, that was prophesied all the way back to Genesis chapter 49. And I want us to turn there. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 49, verses 9 through 12. And this is where you have Jacob begin to bless and, and prophesy over his sons, the tribes, the 12 tribes. And it's kind of interesting, as if you do some homework on this, the first two sons that he begins to prophesy, and they're not all good prophecies, um, is, is uh, Reuben and Levi. And it's not real good to them. And then Judah comes along. Judah gets the longest prophecy, and he declares some pretty powerful things that come into where this title comes from. Actually, Levi was the second tribe, Levi got, got prophesied that he wasn't even going to, and, and didn't get the blessing of land because of some things that had happened pr previous. But God redeems Levi because later on, Levi is one of the only tribes that isn't worshiping idols, and God redeems Levi and says, you're going to be my priests. And then he gives them some little portions that they can, they can go and inhabit. But, so anyways, all that comes from this point in Genesis chapter 49, um, Jacob is, is prophesying and pronouncing blessing over Judah. And it says, 49, 9 through 12, Judah, your brothers will praise you. You will grasp your enemies by the neck. All your relatives will bow before you. Judah, my son, is a young lion that has finished eating its prayer. Pray. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from his descendants until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. wonder who that would be. He ties his foal to a grapevine, the colt of a donkey to a choice vine. He washes his clothes and wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, and his teeth are whiter than milk. And you're going, Pastor Steve, what is that? That is after, after verse 10, the scepter will not depart from Judah, the rulers and the staff of his descendants, until the coming of the one to whom it belongs. That's Christ, the one whom all nations will honor. I want you to see that, that Israel, also known as Jacob, is prophesying, and he's even prophesying of the millennial, the millennial reign, of end-time eschatology. It says the one, and that, that scepter's not going to um, depart. And here's something that's interesting. Some people will say, well, that happened when Jesus came on the earth. Nope. Part. He says he ties his foal to a grapevine, the colt of a donkey to a choice vine. He's saying this is, and, and Jacob is seeing 
um, that it's going to be so prosperous when, when this happens. It's going to be so prosperous when the Son of God takes on Judah, takes on that position as the lion, the conqueror, that after that happens, he can tie his foot. Like, you know what you like, and you see the Westerns, you see that, that piece of wood that they just tie their horses up to. It's meaningless. It's just a rough. It's so prosperous that the, that the king, that Judah's son, the lion of the tribe of Judah, is going to tie his donkey up to grapevines. Like the most prosperous thing that, that you see in the Bible, when there's a blessing, there's, there's a lot of wine. That's what we see in the Bible. And there's blessing, there's lots of grapevines. He's saying this time is going to be so awesome that he will tie his choice donkey in, in to the grapevines. I mean, that's, that's how, like, they're not even that big a deal. There's so much of it. And it says that he, he ties his folds of the grapevines, his robes in the blood of grapes. He washes, instead of washing your clothes in water, there's so much wine. We just wash our clothes in, in grapes, in grape juice and wine. Like, there's speaking, there is such an abundance of this day to come. This blows my mind that Israel, Judah, is, or Jacob is prophesying over Judah it's prophesying that there's going to be a king come through this line, and when that time comes, it is going to be so ridiculously awesome that he could just tie his donkey off to grapevines. You're going to wash your clothes in grape juice and wine. And then his teeth, it says, and will not be, it says, and his, his robes in the blood of grapes, his eyes are darker than wine, which that's always a sign of health. Like when eyes are gray, it says, and they're dim, that means like they're sickly, things aren't good. He's saying this is going to be such a prosperous and a healthy time that his eyes are going to be dark as wine and his, and his teeth are whiter than milk, also a sign of health. Like there's going to be a prosperity and a health of the nation. Amen. Are we there? No. No, does that look like Israel? That Things are going pretty good for Israel, but it's not, it ain't like that. Do they have a king? No. Okay, so that's, that's a prophecy, one of the first ones you see of the, this title, the Lion of the Tribe of Judah. John and, and is getting this, this picture and in this title. I want us then to go to Ezekiel chapter 21. The prophet Ezekiel. This guy, this guy had a rough time, I just got to say. Like, if you, if you read the book of Ezekiel, he had to, he had to deal with some hard, hard people. But Ezekiel 21, verse 25 through 27, Ezekiel prophesies, O you corrupt and wicked prince of Israel. He is speaking of King Zedekiah, the last king of Israel, before Nebuchadnezzar came in and conquered. O you corrupt and wicked prince of Israel, your final day of reckoning is here. How many? You're not a very popular prophet when you prophesy to the king of Israel. Corrupt king. Your time of reckoning is here. You don't hear prophets doing that much today, man. <laughs> says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. He didn't, he didn't say, I sense, I feel. He said, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Take off your jeweled crown, for the old order changes. Now the lowly will be exalted, and the mighty will be brought down. Destruction, destruction will surely destroy the kingdom. Now here, listen to this. And it will not be restored until the one appears who has the right to judge it. Then I will hand it over to him. Woo! That is exactly in line with what Jacob prophesied about the line of the tribe of Judah. But guess what? That king, Zedekiah, they had got so corrupt that he's pronouncing, hey, guess what? This, this kingship is going to end until 
the one, the Messiah, until he comes and establishes the rules and reigns. You follow me? He says, it will not be restored until the one appears who has the right to judge it. When's that going to happen? Has that happened yet? I'm setting you guys up for something. There's, there's, there's thought process and people's theology that, that um, the millennium and all that stuff's already happened. We, when, when have we seen this? We haven't. It hasn't happened yet. Um, and it will, it says, and it will not restore until the one appears who has the right to judge it. Then I will hand it over to him. The root of David. Look at that title. He says, the line of the tribe of Judah. And then he says, the root of David. The root of David indicates that his victory would also bring fulfillment of the promises given to David. How many of you know are familiar that David loved the Lord so much that he decides, I want to build a temple. I, I, I want to build, like, he's living in this fat house, right? He's not living in a tent. He's living in this fat house, but yet God is in a tent. So he goes, I want to build a, a, a house that's greater than mine for God. And, and God was pleased with that. He didn't say no, um, but he did say, David, you're not going to be able to build it, but I love what you're doing. I love your heart. Your son's going to build it, but you can prepare all that. And it, very, it pleased God so much that, that in, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16, God tells David, he says, he makes a covenant with him, not just tells him, he makes a covenant. He says, thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thine house and thy kingdom, is it established forever? 2 Samuel 7, 16. So God is, is bringing all of this into a line in this moment. In chapter 5. This, this is about to happen. You see Zedekiah died. Zedekiah um, that we read about in Ezekiel. And that was prophesied. It's so interesting that, J that Jeremiah prophesied. And I don't have time to get into it. But and Ezekiel. And Ezekiel said that. Um, well Ezekiel said that you wouldn't. That he wouldn't see Babylon. Jeremiah said that you would see Nebuchadnezzar coming. And you would think, like, boy, that's almost contrary. If you read about what happens in 2 Kings, you find out that when Nebuchadnezzar comes and the Babylonians come to conquer Israel, that he takes Zedekiah hostage, he kills all of Zedekiah's sons so that there won't be a, a remnant come through, and then he plucks out the eyes of Zedekiah. God's word and prophecy is so ridiculously awesome that it's yes and yes. He said, you won't see Babylon. You will see Nebuchadnezzar come and conquer you. He did see Nebuchadnezzar come and conquer him. He did see his son slayed. Then his eyes were gouged out. And he didn't see himself going into Babylon. The word of God is ridiculous. That's where I'm so, the prophecies, people, and I, and I heard of, of someone I like, they're a good teacher. Um, they were discrediting the book of Revelation. Um, and it just, I, I actually, I don't comment much on social media and I didn't rip them or do anything. I just was just very like, you know, I don't know why you would do that. Cause, um, it's not, they're like, well, you know, those mysterious prophecy and revelation, no one can understand. If you think you understand what's going on, then you're so full of pride and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, this has been one of the most amazing stories and studies I've ever had in my whole life to recognize and realize that every single prophecy that God's ever said happened exactly like he said. Every single one. And I'm not foolish enough to think that all of a sudden he's going to change now. Every single prophecy that he's ever done is going to happen just like he said, because it has always happened just like he said. Are you with me? Yeah. 
<laughs> and when I've had such one of the greatest blessings in my life, and I'm hearing other people are having a tremendous blessing from studying the book of Revelation, why would we as pastors and ministers want to turn people away from that? When the book says itself that you are blessed when you hear it. You are blessed when you read it. It's the only book that does that, and it's the only book that carries a curse that says if you take or add anything to that book, all, the, all of the um, wrath and all the stuff that is poured out will be poured out on you. If you add to the book or you take anything away from it, this is a pretty awesome book. And it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not the revelation of a revelation. It's the revelation. The unveiling is what the apocalypse means. The unveiling. It's the apocalypse of Jesus Christ. And I had said in, the, in my response, I don't know about you, but I want to see Jesus so unveiled that I know more and more and more of him. And that's the purpose of this whole letter, is that we would understand Christ even more. That we would see, see him un completely unveiled. Amen? And how many of you, you're starting to have that experience? I am. I'm seeing him like, holy smokes. You are way, which I had a pretty high respect, but I'm, I'm, I'm like mind blown. Every time, like every single word, and I've, we believe this, every single word is God breathed, God inspired. There's, a, there's an outside force that is spoke into time because he's outside of time and it don't mean squat to him. And he's speaking into things going, yep, this can happen, this can happen, this can happen. And then guess what happens? Exactly what he said. So how many thinks that it's important to know what's going to happen? <laughs> this guy does. And, and how many of you, it's brought you peace and hope. It's a blessed hope. It's good news. I read that somewhere, the gospel. It's good news. Amen. So the more I read about it, the more excited I get. Can you tell? <laughs> All right, Luke chapter one. We read this at Christmas time, probably every year. I, I, it's so awesome. Even the things I've read, all like many, many times, they come alive in a whole different light when you read the book of Revelation and study it. Luke chapter one, verse thirty to thirty-three. And the angel said to her, to Mary, "Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son." And you shall name him Jesus. Now listen. It says, he will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Come on. What's he called? The lion of the tribe of Judah. Now, has that happened yet? This is a prophecy. This is prophesied from the angel Gabriel to Mary. Has this happened? Whose throne is Jesus on right now? The book of Revelation told us that he is sitting on his father's throne with his father. And he offers the elders, the church, that you will sit on my throne with me. Where is Jesus on, on the throne right now? On the father's throne. What is this saying he will be on a throne? Where? He says... He will be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, so that would be David's throne, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. We read the book of, of Revelation. We see in the back that Jesus is going to literally sit on a throne and reign from Jerusalem on David's throne. 
is Jesus sitting on a throne in Jerusalem right now, and is all of the world under the authority of the Christ, the Messiah, ruling from Israel today? Does Israel have a king? No. When will Israel have a king? When Jesus comes back and sits on the throne, just like the Bible said and prophesied that after Hezekiah, until the one comes, and then that kingdom will be established forever. Are you with me? Just like this book says. Isn't that cool? Did you ever notice that before when you read the Christmas story? Did you put Revelation into like, oh, that is that. And that hasn't happened yet. Most people say, oh, well, that's already happened because Jesus came as the king. Well, he came and he is the king, but he's not ruling. He and that's what all the disciples never was so upset about. They're like, yeah, the king's coming. He's going to kick Rome out and he's going to establish it. We're going to rule from this point forward. He's like, not so fast. I'm coming as the lamb. I'm coming as the lamb. Chapter 5, you start hearing the lion. Ooh, it's going to get good. <laughs> so, Jesus is the Lion of Judah and the Root of David, the foundation on which all of Israel's hopes rest. Are you with me? Who's, who is super hopeful of that day? All of us. But, but guess what? It really doesn't affect me because I'm already sitting in the, in the heaven, Holy of Holies, in the throne room of God, as all of that's going to play out. So who is really excited about getting their land restored, having the Messiah come and rule and reign again? Israel, that's who's looking, that's, they, they missed his first coming, and they're still waiting, they're going to come to enlightenment once, once tribulation starts, once all that happens, they're going to come to an enlightenment of, oh, snap, Jesus was the Messiah, oh, and then their faith's going to turn to that, and then they're going to start worshiping God, and all those things are going to be restored, you following me, that is, that is why, that's what, and, and when you read throughout the, the, there is so much prophecy. There's more prophecy about the millennium and about that restoration of Israel all through the Old Testament than any other kind of prophecy. It hasn't happened yet. But it's coming. So Jesus, and he overcomes, he overcomes as the lamb in the trials of life, in his temptations, in the wilderness, in the agonies of the garden, in the terrors of death, and in the bonds of the grave. He is the victor now over law. He's the victor over sin, and he's the victor over death. He's the victor over hell. He's paid the redemption price of the fortified inheritance of Israel. He has paid the price. He paid the price at Calvary. He didn't get the title deed yet, and he hasn't received that title deed yet. What we're reading about in chapter 5 is to come. He paid the price. He hasn't resolved. We saw in, in the book of Ruth that that Kingsman Redeemer at that point has full right to ex. Get the people out of the land, take possession of it, and that's what Jesus is going to do when he comes back the second time and puts his feet on this earth. It is as a lion, and he is going to disperse and take care of anyone that's on his land that is not subject to the king and to the plan of God. Are you with me? That is, that's how that, and that's the title. Things are changing now in chapter 5. Behold, the Lamb of God and the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David. Like, yes, all of those prophecies this is who we're talking about right now. Are you with me? So Isaiah chapter 61. This is so cool. This is a very, very popular prophecy that Isaiah spoke in chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. He prophesied, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, 
because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. How many have been familiar with that? Very familiar passage of scripture. Isaiah is prophesying this. Luke chapter 4. We see Jesus. He's been baptized. He's been out into the desert and the wilderness. He's fasted for 40 days. He comes back in in power and an anointing of the Holy Spirit. And he goes into the temple. He goes into the temple. And which was his normal thing he would do. Now this is so cool. He says in chapter 4 verses 16 through 21 of Luke. It says, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Now, this, this just got my mind going off. It says, and the chosen in the first series helped me see this so differently. It says, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. How cool is that? Like, just so happened to be handed. He stands up. They go, here, read this. Here, here's, here's Isaiah. Here's the scroll of Isaiah. So then what does Jesus do? So, so what I'm seeing is they hand the word the word. Can you imagine? Oh, you want to read the word? Oh, here, here, here's the word. They hand the word the word like he needed the scroll. But he's like, yep, I'm going to open the scroll up for you. And, 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 and he's going through it. Yep, yep, this is where I want to be. And listen to what he says. They hand the word the word, the book of the prophet Isaiah. And it says, when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So you might be wondering at this point, well, Pastor Steve, you're kind of contradictory in what you just said, that it hasn't been fully fulfilled. I don't know if you've noticed, but let's look at Isaiah chapter 61 again and read what Jesus read and where he closed the book. You're going to see in verse 2 of Isaiah 61, 2, it says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. There's a comma. You don't close the book on a comma, but Jesus did. He closed the book at the comma and said, today this has been fulfilled in your presence. You know why he didn't read any further? Because it says, and the day of vengeance of our God. He closed the book before that. So everything before that, he said, today that has been fulfilled in your presence. That he would heal the brokenhearted. He would give sight to the blind. He would restore. But the day of vengeance hasn't come yet. Do you think that was a mistake? Do you think Jesus actually knew what he was saying? He was saying, up to this point, this has been fulfilled in your presence. What's to come? It's not fulfilled in your presence, but it's coming. I wonder, see, I, I will guarantee the scribes, the Pharisees, they knew the word. They knew this section of scripture, and they were probably pondering, that's weird. He, he closed the book at a comma. There's more. Almost like he knew what he was doing. Do you ever notice that before? I never picked up on that before. 
that, hey, he stopped at a comma. I just was like, oh, yeah, that's the Isaiah 61 prophecy. I know that. And, and we go on. He's like, yep, Jesus fulfilled that. Yes and no. It's not fully fulfilled yet. It's getting fulfilled in chapter 5. And as chapter 6 begins to happen, and all those, the lion comes and starts taking possession, and the earth is shaken, and he's causing people to turn, or they're, they're rejecting him. All of that has happened. That's called, and you'll see all throughout the Bible, the great and terrible day of the Lord, or the day of the Lord. It's the same day, the day of vengeance of our God. It's that day. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Isn't Jesus awesome? Just this scripture, not the rest. <laughs> so I was like, to be continued. <laughs> Here's section one. You'll have to wait for chosen series two. <laughs> right? And that's how it is, the Lord. It doesn't matter about time. He's like, it doesn't matter if it takes 2,000 years. It doesn't matter. Here's where we're at. And you see that in the book of Daniel. You see that gap, that space of time. He says, this, this is for your people. And then here's, here's the timeline. Here's, here's when that's going to happen. Just like Jesus is, is in agreement. This part's fulfilled. There's more to come. Because of his great victory on the cross and, and of Calvary, it has given him the right of the redemption of the completion of God's plan. See, if Jesus hadn't went through what he did and he hadn't been that lamb that went and was sacrificed, that, that humbled himself and submitted to that, he wouldn't have the rights to redemption. He wouldn't have the right to take possession. He wouldn't have the right to disperse and bring the ultimate plan of God into reality, which is going to happen. Because as you can see right now, we're not, it's, not, um, it's not the millennium. We don't see the lion and the lamb laying down together. We don't see the earth and everyone's in peace. We don't see Jesus ruling from Israel and the whole, all, the, all the countries are, are like, yes, we agree with that. That hasn't happened, and that's not there yet. This, that was, that's going to come. Oh, cool. We got a little time. So we can get to point two now. I thought, I thought we might only get to point one. I, was, I wasn't giving myself a whole lot of credit. <laughs> you guys listen quick. It says... Point two, first we saw the lion of the tribe of Judah, now we have a lamb standing as if slain in verse six. Look what it says, it says, and I saw between the throne and with four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. So the elder tells John, the lion of the tribe of Judah had overcome. Now, isn't this a trip? He, he tells him verbally, the lion of the tribe of Judah has overcome. And then John looks and he sees a lamb standing as if slain. Wouldn't you expect to see, hey, don't worry, John, don't cry. The lion of the tribe of Judah has come. You would go like, I'm looking to see a lion, right? Wouldn't that be the natural progression of like, John would be like, well, what's, what's that? Like, we got a lamb looking like he's been slain with seven eyes and seven, like, that ain't a lion, elder. <laughs> so, so listen, he says, but when John looked, he saw a lamb standing, still bearing the marks of being slain, standing alive. Now, I would, I would say that probably the only thing in our life, the only thing that we're going to carry with us, that we're going to have probably connection with, that is in this world, that, that we have a part of when we get to heaven, is the slain of the lamb. That was us. 
That was our sin that caused that. You with me? You're going to see a lamb still bearing the, the marks. Jesus, remember when he came back and he resurrected, they still put their finger, they still saw holes in his hand. They touched his hand. It's still, he still bore that mark. It's kind of interesting. I don't know if this is true, so this is just thus say a Steve Dennison at this point. Are you with me? I always found it interesting that when Jesus came back, people didn't always recognize him. Sometimes they walked with him. The people on the road of Emmaus, they walked with him. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, that was Christ. Like, didn't our hearts warm us? Didn't we? But they didn't recognize him physically. I, I kind of think that he was beaten very badly. His beard was plucked out of his out of his. They probably didn't recognize Jesus had a beard, right? They always see him with a beard. Like, I had a big beard just last week, and I got this little chin thing. I look different. They plucked his beard out. They had beaten him so badly that it scarred him and marred him. They, the Bible says he was not recognizable as a human being on the cross anymore. It could be that that's why they didn't recognize him. He looked different. This tells us that he is in the form of a lamb standing alive, but as if slain. You can still see that this was a sacrificial lamb. This was someone that was sacrificed. I believe we're going to see that. That's probably the only thing that we're taking with us, is what we did. We're going to still see. I don't think we're going to be, we're not going to be like, oh my gosh, and we're not going to be weeping over that, but there's, you're still going to see like, yep, that's the lamb. He was slain in my spot, and I think I'm going to be even so more on my face and thanking him. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you that you came to this earth, that you took my shame and my sin and my guilt and all those things, and you have provided. And that is what brought our redemption. And he sees, John sees, yes, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah, but he's coming, and he shows up on the scene as that sacrificed lamb, the, the redeemer. The resurrection of Christ, we see this, um, or at least I, I do. I, the resurrection of Christ isn't a myth. You see this resurrection even here in chapter 5 of Revelation. The resurrection of Jesus, he, he was standing alive as a lamb that was slain. He had been slain, but he's alive. That's, that's a, a powerful thing that I think that John and, and, and God wants us to understand. Like, don't ever forget that. That, that is a, a powerful piece that he, he is alive. The resurrection of Christ is not a myth. He came as God's lamb, as God's lamb Christ conquered on this earth. He conquered as a lamb. The first time, he conquered as a lamb. He submitted as a quiet lamb. Is it, aren't lambs? Not as a lion. You're not going to get a lion to submit. You're not going to get a lion tied up. You're not going to get a lion to not roar. He came as a lamb, quiet. He submitted to the suffering. He came meek. He came bearing our sin in his body. I love this. And he cancels all the legal disabilities by his atoning blood. Christ canceled all of the legality and the, the consequences of sin, death, and hell for us. He canceled those things. So as a believer, we need to understand, hey, that was canceled. I am not that anymore. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. He sees me as a son. He sees me as if I've never sinned. He views me that way because he conquered. I didn't conquer. He did. He conquered in my place. You with me? 
He conquered in my place. I couldn't conquer. I couldn't pay that debt. I could never be sinless. I could never be spotless. But he did it. And he has given me that. We need to, we need to get that into our mind and our spirit that that's how he sees us. And that's how we're to operate going forward. I don't operate. I don't function as, as a sinner that's just saved by grace. I'm redeemed. I'm a son with full access and full rights as a son. He sees me as completely forgiven. He sees me without any stain of sin. And I should see myself that way so I don't have guilt and shame. Amen? The Old Testament sacrifice was temporary. Jesus' sacrifice was for all, once and for all, final, finished. It is finished. There is no more sacrificing. There is no more having to go and, and do penance. There's no more having to go take and, and beat myself and, and, oh, my gosh, I'm the most horrible human being, and I need to pay for my sin. So, and then when I feel like I've paid enough, then I can come into his presence. How many do that? Be real. You, you, we, I still do that at times, and I know the truth. I feel like because I messed up, I got to pay somehow. And then I can come and feel like, okay, now I can come into your presence because I feel like I've paid. He paid. What are we trying to do? Pay. You got nothing to pay for your sin. You got nothing to offer. It's already been done. Nothing you would have brought would have ever, would have ever cleansed you. So that veil was torn in half. And he said, come boldly to the throne room of presence of God. Because of what Jesus, the sacrificial lamb, the conquering lamb did for us. So we can come boldly. You're like, well, shouldn't you feel ashamed? He paid for that. He knew I was a knucklehead. He knew I wasn't ever going to live it perfectly. And he chose to redeem me anyways. And you too. Knowing you're not going to do it perfectly. Knowing there's no way you'll ever do it perfectly. That's why I had to come and do it for you. And if you think you can do it, then Paul says, then Christ died in vain. And when you try to do it that way, you're saying, I don't need what you did. I'll go ahead and take care of this. How's that working out? You still have the shame and you still have the guilt and you still think you're a sinner. Am I wrong? Or if we truly understand, it's been finished. I am a son. I'm not trying to earn becoming a son. I'm not trying to like, well, it's, you're, I'm your son. I'm your father. Would you stop with that? Would you just come into my presence? Like, well, I don't know. Is, is he mad because I sinned? Are you serious right now? Get in here. Let me love you. We're like, get in here. He's going to whoop me. No, that's all been paid for. Get in here so I can love you. Is that different? Is that a different gospel than what's been taught? It is a different gospel. What, you know what that means? That for a long time, there's been a different gospel being preached, just like the Bible said in the last days, there will be a different gospel being preached. And people are, I could already hear people's mind, well, pastor, then what are you, then we can just continue and sin? Paul answered that. He says, by all means, no, we don't sin more so grace can increase. I'm dead to sin. I'm dead to sin. It has no hold on me. Can I sin? Yes. And the very fact that the Holy Spirit, his God lives inside of me, it grieves him and me. And I go, oh, that was stupid. And all I got to do is go, oh, thank you that you redeemed me, Lord. 
carry on. But Pat, no, carry on. Carry on. And when you begin to see that God's paid for that, he sees me as I've never sinned, then you could begin to truly walk in freedom. You could begin to truly walk as in a true understanding that that was paid for 2,000 years ago in advance, knowing if he paid for it 2,000 years ago and there's 2,000 years of sin going forward, it's been paid for. Otherwise, we got to keep putting him on the cross. And Paul said, nope, by all means, we don't keep crucifying him. Are you with me? We need to be walking in a freedom and in a liberty and in a love relationship with our Father. That's why Jesus went to the cross, so that you could be free from sin and death and shame and guilt. That doesn't mean you're like, oh, God is so gracious, I can go get high and I can go chase women and I could. No, if that's your mindset, you don't know him. He doesn't live inside of you because if he lives inside of you, you have a whole new desire. I don't want to do those things anymore. I don't have a desire to do those things. Am I still a knucklehead at times? Yes. That's why 1 John says, I, I, John prayed over the same writer of Revelation. I pray that none of you sin. But if you do, you have an advocate. It's not our normal thing, but if you do, you have an advocate. So all I have to do is when that happens, I go, oh, my heart gets pricked, does it not? Don't you go, oh, man, I messed up. All I got to do is recognize, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you forgive me. Thank you that you freed me. Thank you that that was the old flesh, and I'm a new creation in you. Thank you that I am the righteousness of God. Thank you, Lord, that I've already been made holy. There's nothing I'm going to be able to do to be made more holy. So I'm going to carry on. Rather than lay in the mud and get kicked and let the devil beat me up and lie to me and say, like, see, you're never going to change. What do you mean? I'm a new creation. The fact that it grieved my heart for a moment tells me I'm new. Because in the old Steve, I would have carried on and just done more and more and more and more and more. The fact that it grieved my heart tells me I am a new creation. And from there, that's all I need to go is say, thank you, Lord, that you've forgiven me. Thank you, Lord, that I don't have to roll and roll around in the mire in that for. I don't have to, to stay in the guilt and the shame. Thank you that you've, you've truly made me white as snow. Not that you're making me white as snow. You made me white as snow. You cast my sin as far as the east is from the west. You already did that. Not, you're not continuing. You already did that. It was nailed on the cross. It was punished at the cross. You're free. What he did at that cross was so much bigger than what we really understand. And, and from that, he said, for the world. The sins of the world have already been paid for. That should boggle your mind. The only thing that, be, that a person has to do is put belief and faith and trust in that. And that's salvation. That what you already did, I believe and thank you. That's salvation. That's it. It's, it's been provided for already. For the whole world. He's not having to do anything else. That conquering lamb is standing and, and about to receive the title deed of the universe. But oh, the role of the lamb is beautiful. But when he begins to function as the lion. And he's both. 
We see that in Jesus' ministry. Everyone sees Jesus. Oh, he's just this real soft-spoken. Oh, yes, he is very meek. But, oh, don't mess with that lion. When he goes in that temple, he starts clearing house. It ain't as a little lamb. No one, you know, you recognize no one stood up to him. You see no one in the temple stand up to Christ. And he's flipping over their tables, their money. He's jacking their whole program up, calling them den of vipers. No one stands up to him. You think they seen him as a lamb or a lion? You think his eyes were those eyes of fire? I will guarantee it. Yeah, I don't know where I'm at in my notes. <laughs> it's in the character of a lamb that he was slain, and he overcame by perfect obedience unto death. Perfect obedience. Isn't that something? Church, he overcame by perfect obedience. Why would we think we're going to have overcoming lives if we're not in perfect obedience? Chew on that one for a while. He overcame, even Christ himself, he humbled himself. And it says he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. That's Hebrews chapter 4. He, he himself, Jesus, learned obedience through the things which he suffered. And it says he, he, he overcame because, and submitted, and he was in perfect obedience to the Father. How are we going to overcome if we're not in perfect obedience? We're not. So if you don't have that overcoming life, I would check ourselves and go, am I in obedience to my Father? That's a pretty good sign when, when you don't have that blessing. You don't have that relationship and that closeness. There's probably not a, a submission to obedience to the Father. But Jesus did it and he overcame. It's so cool. Because of that, he is, he's paid the price and he will be counted worthy to open the book and break the seals. Because he was victorious as the lamb, he takes on the next office of the lion. This is good. He takes on the next office as a lion to assert and enforce his supremacy. We have not seen that. Man, I tell you what, that's going to be something. He is going to take on the office of the lion and insert and make his authority happen. It's going to happen. That his power and his supremacy is going to be recognized and it's going to be enforced. Whew. That whole just like, guys, guys, would you like to let me in? Get on out of here. The whip's coming. Yeah, that one's coming back. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter who bore our sorrows and carried our iniquities and it's reserved for him as Judah's lion in righteousness to judge and make war. Because he overcame as that lamb, because he went through all that, he's counted righteous. He's the one that's counted to come and enforce. It's reserved for him. It's, in, it's, it's reserved for him in righteousness to judge and to make war. This is what's coming. This world is not ready for what's going to come. He is going to come make war and enforce the wrath of his throne and all who stand in rebellion against it. It is going, you, 
There's a cry. Is there not cries out today? Can you hear the cries of the martyrs and those, and even our own, God, this isn't right. God, why is this being able to happen? Why are these, why are these people able to do these things? All of that is going to be poured out. And it's going to be righteous and just. You know, none of us have the ability to pour it out righteously and justly. He does. Terrible judgment. Terrible judgment must come before the installation of the kingdom. All those things have to happen before he's able to establish the millennial kingdom. The old world order has to be swept away to make room for the new one. The old world order, this, this world order has to be swept away, has to be cleansed, has to be washed away so he can establish the new one. That's, there was an end of the church age. There's a millennium age. And when that's over, there is no more age. It's eternity. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 2. We're going to end here. Everything I'm speaking of, you're going to see in Daniel chapter 2. I don't think if I stop here, you're, we're going to have a guest speaker next week. So if I stopped, I don't think you're going to be on the same track to be able to receive Daniel chapter 2. So turn with me to Daniel chapter 2. And then we're going to be done. You guys still with me? Are you okay? Are you awake? Daniel chapter 2, I'm going to start in verse 31. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar has been given this dream. And listen for just a second. Our God is so amazing. He's given prophecy and dreams to a Babylonian king. Like, people that get, well, God can't do, God can do what the heck he wants. He's God. <laughs> he's given this whole world I mean, he's given Nebuchadnezzar, an ungodly king, a Babylonian king who conquered Israel, the whole vision of the, what's going to come in the world. And he knows that this is God. And he puts out like, hey, who can interpret this? I got to know what this is all about. And he's willing to wipe out all of his sorcerers, all of everyone that he's paying to like, be, be telling him things. Like, if you can't explain this, I'm killing all of you. Here comes Daniel. It says, you, O king, were looking, and behold, there was a single great statue. That statue, which was large and of extraordinary splendor, was standing in front of you, and its appearance was awesome. Kind of cool that God's using some little Israelite boys to explain what the heck's going on. That's going to happen in time of tribulation. It's going to be those Jewish men that are going to be explaining the 144,000 what the heck is going on. Do you remember the patterns that God does? Yeah, here's a pattern. He says, here's, here's what the appearance was, and the appearance was awesome. He says, standing in front of you, as its appearance was awesome, the head of the statue was made of fine gold. The head represents Babylon. He says, its breast and its arms of silver, is, its belly and thighs are of bronze. That's the Medes and Persians. He says, and its thighs of bronze were grease. Its legs of iron represents Rome. Its feet partially of iron and partially of clay. That's a 10-world government system that's to come. That's, that's going to be a uniting, like one world order. Has that, and it's going to be partially strong, like Rome. That was the same symbol, iron. So it's going to be partial Roman and 
10 other countries, 10 other major leaders, players that are going to unite and kind of be mixed together. But you can see iron and clay doesn't mix too well. So this one's to come. We know that, that Babylon came. We know that the Medes and Persians conquered them. We know that Greece, Alexander the Great conquered them. And then we know that Rome conquered. Those were the one world order systems. Not little, uh, little small upright, like one world order systems. Then there's one to come. That's going to be 10 branches to come. Now look what happened. Here, look, at, look at this dream. He says, you continued looking until a stone was cut out without hands, and it struck the statue on the feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed all at the same time and became like chaff from the summer's threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them was found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Now, I wonder what that stone was that was without, formed without human hands. Could that be Christ? Look what happens. It says... And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them was found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. That's going to be Christ's kingdom. That's going to be, they're attempting to have a one world government system. And Jesus is going to come and jack that whole one world government, one world order system that's ever been. And he's going to establish his. It says that stone turned into a huge mountain and it covered the earth. When Jesus reigns in the millennium, is, is the whole earth going to be under his reign? Yes. He says, this was the dream. Now we shall tell its interpretation before the king. Isn't that awesome? He just says, I just want to see someone tell me what this dream is. Now let me tell you what it means. You, O king, are the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given, the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the strength and the glory. He says, hey, king, check it out. You're in charge because God's given you that authority. He goes on, he says, whatever the sons of men Wherever the sons of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, or the birds of the sky, he has given them into your hand and has caused you to rule over them. All. You are the head of gold. So he says right off the bat, you're the head of gold. That's Babylon. He's the king of Babylon. And after you, there will be arise another kingdom. Uh-oh. That's not such good news for Nebuchadnezzar. There's going to be another king come after you, and he's going to rise. He says, there will be another kingdom inferior to yours, then another third kingdom of bronze, which will rule over all the earth. That was um, Alexander the Great. Then there will be a fourth kingdom as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron crushes and shatters all things. That was Roman government. They crushed everything. So like iron that breaks in pieces, it will crush and break all these in pieces. And in that, you saw the feet and toes partially of potter's clay and partially of iron. It will be a divided kingdom but it will have in it the toughness of iron inasmuch as you saw the iron mixed with common clay. And as the toes of the feet were partially of iron and partially of pottery, so some of the kingdom will be strong and part of it will be brittle. And in what you saw, the iron mixed with common clay, they will combine with one another in the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, even as iron does not combine with pottery. Now listen to this. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. Inasmuch as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future." So the dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. 
Now, you, get, you know what happened? Just like Daniel said, and just like God said, Babylon fell to the Medes and Persians. The Medes and Persians fell to Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great fell to Rome. And you know what's going to happen? There's going to be a 10-world government system that's united. Partially strong, partially of clay, which is, it's mixed. It's go- it means it's going to be together for, for a little bit until that stone that comes, that's been cut from, un- it means it's coming from God. No man cuts it. It's not man established. It's God established. And it's going to come and destroy all of it and wipe it all out. And that stone is going to turn into a mountain of government. That's what's coming. That is the lamb standing as if slain and the lion of the tribe of Judah that is about to establish that eternal kingdom. That is the picture that we see in these little verses. That it was prophesied all the way back in Genesis. That 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 viper would strike the heel. But the seed of the woman would crush the head of the viper. Hasn't the Satan and the Antichrist been trying to, to... establish a one-world government system for a long time. How many of those are worked out? He knows the book, too. He's going to try to copy, and he always tries to copy what God's doing, but God is going to dethrone that sucker. He's going to kick his, his tail all over the earth. We're all going to see it. And we're going to go, is this the one? Is this the one that deceived the nations? Is this the one? He's not on equal grounds. And somehow we try to think that it's like God and the enemy. They're like these two opposing forces. Satan's a created being. He's a created angel. He's not a creator. All he can do is pervert what God's already done. He can't create anything. He's not a creator. He's created. He's like way the heck down here, and God's way the heck up there. When this battle comes, it's easy. It's not a hard battle. It's not a long battle. He shows up, speaks, and they're smoked. It's almost anticlimactic as you read the book. It's like, it's like the Mike Tyson, uh, what was that fight? It was like nine seconds or the biggest pay-per-view. Like he knocked, he knocked that dude out in like 19 seconds. It was like, what? All this buildup, you're like, what? Like that's it? I mean, that's it? We're done? Yep. Just like his word says. Now next time, we're going to get into a little bit more of the lion, a little bit more of the seven horns, the seven eyes, what all of that is bringing into place. But I, I hope you, you see some things here and, and you're encouraged by the word. And you can see that God's had a plan. And what's happening in the book of Revelation is the fulfillment of what God has planned. And that pattern was started a long time ago. And he's wanting us to see that I am your redeemer. I have paid the price for you. That I came as that sacrificial lamb, but I'm coming as a lion. The fir- his first come time coming to earth, he came as a lamb. The next time he comes to step speed on this earth is as a lion. And it was foretold many, 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 many years ago, the lion of the tribe of Judah. That kingdom will never end. I, I think it's so wonderful that you can see that all the way back from Jacob is prophesying over Judah, foretelling, speaking prophecy of what's to come of these last times. Just like, and it's all happening just like he said. Church, we need to be ready. We need to be in the word more than we've ever been. We need to know where we are. We need to know what time it is. Amen? We need, the Bible says that we need to work while the day, while the light is out. You need to be out harvesting while there's daylight because there's going to come a day and we don't know the day or the hour and it's going to, that's it. There's no, more, there's no more chance. There's no more hope. 
And if your name wasn't written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you're going to go before a judge. And you won't be able to say, you didn't do enough. This judgment isn't, isn't worthy. You never see in, in the story when you have the, the, the story Jesus is telling of, um, it's not, it might be Nicodemus and, and the beggar. And there's a, there's a gulf between them. And he's talking about hell. You never hear the man that's in hell saying that this isn't right. I shouldn't be here. He never once says that. He just says, oh, if someone could tell my brothers, if someone could tell, if someone could even rise from the dead and go tell them. We're not going to be able to say, you didn't do enough. You're not going to be able to say that this is unjust. It actually says in Revelation, it gets to a point, it says, let him who is just stay just. Let him who is unjust stay unjust still. Because that's going to come a point where nothing's going to change. Whatever you are, if you were bought by the price, if you've been paid that redemption price, if you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, you're here. And if you haven't, you're here. That's the reality of what's to come. And we need to be very aware of that. And not just be like, well, I'm good. Praise God. Come, Lord. If that's your heart, that's not, that's not God in you. Christ in you doesn't want to see one person perish. Christ in you doesn't want to see one person suffer. He did. This isn't all his like, ha, 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 ha. He already brought the lamb. He's already sacrificed himself for the, for the sin of the world so that no one has to go through that. But if you reject that and you choose not to do that, then there's going to come a day of vengeance and a day of wrath. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for being so awesome. God, your, your prophecies, the word that you've spoken all throughout, you're pointing to us this day to come. And you're, you're keeping that pattern going. And you want us to see how serious it is. And God, thank you that you have counted us worthy to live in such a time as this. That you were raising up sons and daughters, an army, not weak need, not soft people, sons and daughters, strong, spiritually minded people. Not strong in flesh and blood, but strong in spirit and soul. So that we can conquer, Lord, that we can stand up, we can help point people to the truth. That we can show people how not to be defeated by the lies of the enemy. That we can help people walk in power and have a sound mind in this crazy time. That is your desire for us, to be your representatives on this earth so that we can turn them towards you, towards redemption. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, give, Lord, give us the power, the wisdom, and a sound mind to be able to do that. We bind all fear and weapon of fear that would try to come against us. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.
church mother in a church hat clap Man, that sugar gave your color purple coming back clap uh, When that whole week beat you up and stress you But you hear that organ playing and remind you of your blessings And on another note, she just hit another note Chills down my spine, got me crying, make me overload You don't know about it though Old school church hymns, deacons get the humming Not a drum up in a burst in Lordy, Lordy, Lordy Can you hear me now? Church close, swear they don't care You just get it now Testify how we made martyrs out of these fathers And rose up all of his daughters to glorify him with thunder
Good morning, family. Hi. Oh, that was really good. I'm proud of you guys. Yay. Okay, so we're doing things a little different today. As you've noticed, there's a like, few blue shirts in the house. I'm not going to tell you what that is. You're just going to have to wait and see, so get prepared. Okay, so if you're new, we welcome you here. You picked a good day to be here, always, every Sunday. Um, couple announcements. So this Thursday, they are kicking off the men's Bible study at 7 a.m. Yay! 7 a.m. So that's with the men. If you have any questions, Richard Jackson is in the back. He can ask or answer those for you. Um, next Sunday, we'll be having a guest speaker, Mark Lewis. If you haven't heard him, talk to Pastor Steve. He says he's awesome, so we're excited. And they're having young adults as well. So if you're a young adult, if you identify as a young adult, check it out. <laughs> um, women's breakfast is coming up. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. That'll be exciting. Um, our youth, if you're a youth, raise your hand. Yay. Okay. So youth camp is coming up. If you're not signed up, see Richard Jackson or April Jackson. They are the youth leaders to get plugged into that because you don't want to miss it. It's going to be really exciting. Um, a big thank you from the youth because last week we took a missions offering for them and they got a lot of money so that gets kids going. So there's no, you know, cost for the parents or anything like that. So it's really exciting. So thank you from the youth. Um, coming soon, we have a short video about the Chosen series to show you guys. Do you know what that is? The Chosen series? Right? Season two. Whoop, whoop. So do we have that clip ready? Okay, we're going to show that now. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. What a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, our sins and griefs to bear. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Rejoice, for your reward will be great in heaven. don't want to miss that. Season one was really awesome. Season two is going to be just as awesome, if not more. So don't want to miss out on that. And that's Simon Peter. Okay. <laughs> so again, we're doing things a little different. We're going to do the offering now. Um, offering plates are not up here yet. Oh, yes, they are. Just kidding. Here they are. And at the back wall, there's that black box on the wall if you want to take it up there. Um, if you come up later during worship to distribute your funds or whatever you're giving, you may get hit, no joke. So now is the time if you've come prepared. Lord, we just come before you, God, with gracious hearts, Lord Jesus. You know, you know our lives, our individual 
gifts and what we have to give to you, Lord Jesus. And we just pray, God, together that it can glorify you and build your kingdom and strengthen this body, Jesus. We just are so grateful for what you have done, and we're excited to see what you will do, Lord. Amen. Right, you guys so I'm gonna have Miss Abelina come up and she is going to share a little bit about this past week thank you Sarah good morning um, so this past week we were able to open up our doors Monday through Friday and we welcome children who are part of our body children who are part of the community and beyond because I know we even had like a commuter from like way out of the zip code way out of the area code too and um, we actually got to come into our father's house purely just to worship. So our kids were equipped with new skills in singing, in dancing, understanding what it means and what you can do with a worship flag, and also with some expert training in mime. And that was, you know, we haven't had that experience here in this church. It's been well over 10 years because that was when I was in high school. It had been a while. It had been a while. And... Um, Overall, we had 36 kids enrolled, which was an amazing uh, answer to prayer. In setting everything up, we estimated our capacity was about 40. And praise the Lord, we were, I think our volunteers can attest, we were at capacity for what our first time doing this. If you were volunteering, just serving, like not here as a student, but if you were serving in any way, whether you were an adult or a youth, can you please stand up? You can stand up too, Courtney. Don't worry. Nadine, Jessica, you were serving. And, yeah, Sarah, yeah. And our, yep, sound booth. Can you please give them a hand? Uh. So our volunteers had stepped up and delivered. This was in no way just like, oh, I just think this would be a cute thing to do. This was a, you know, we have a vision. You know, God has a plan. Let's let's start with a basic framework and each and every one of you 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 stood up to the task and you delivered amazingly. Our children were cared for. No potty accidents. They were fed, they were hydrated, and these kids were working 
four hours straight every day. <laughs> we may change some of that format next year. But <laughs> with that in mind, when they came, um, you know, it was really put on my heart that, that children know why we praise. And the main reason why we praise is um, because of who we are, who we are in Christ. So on Monday, we discussed how um, he is our creator. Father God, he is our creator. Therefore, I am wonderfully made. I can celebrate that. I know who I am. On Tuesday, we talked about Jesus is my champion. If I even if you know I don't make the cut, if I if I fall short, it's okay. He's my champion. I am victorious. On Wednesday, we talked about the Holy Spirit and how you know God is not just a God of of myths and fables in the Bible long long ago. He is here with us now. When we gather together, when we pray, if we are even alone and you're just and you're just talking directly to God, he's in the room with you. And we know that he is my comforter. I am never alone. On Thursday, it was, okay, what do we do with this information? On Thursday, we talked about Jesus is the light of the world. He's here for all of us. It's our job to go out and shine. It's our job to go out and not just keep it in the four walls, not just keep it in our seat here in church, but to go out and share. And that's why we praise. We praise to, to glorify and honor the Lord and also to demonstrate to everyone around us who we are in Christ and that he is here for that for everybody. So with that, um, we'll share a very small piece of what we did because there was a huge project overall. We had, I think I lost count of how many different routines, a lot of different songs. Some of these kids participated in like six different routines altogether that they learned in four days and practiced on the fifth. It was pretty amazing. So right now, we'll just get just a little tidbit. If we want to go ahead, we could start 10K. You guys can just walk on up as it starts. My soul, oh, my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never Hold up. Yeah, yeah, I got a God, don't change with the season. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. 10,000 reasons I can believe in. God's so good, say that's how I'm breathing. Oh, yeah, yeah, 10,000, 10,000, I'm a believer. Oh, yeah, I got a God, don't change with the season. Yeah, 10,000 reasons that I can believe in. God's so good, say that's how I'm breathing. ACA, that's the law. New sheriff in it. KBR, passing bars. I'm a lawyer in the pool. I ain't never seen nobody do it like this. Almost every inch and I rule it like this. Look at my world, that's a little like drip. Only go to my list. I'm like, who did I miss? Let it breathe. Ooh, cool. Let it breathe. Yeah, peace, peace. Jesus, that's my creed. Ooh, Michael B. Uh, yeah, he bossing. Uh, don't be a clown, but you're not it. Uh, worship in a marsh pit. Uh, I'm in this park like the tropics. Uh, and women get in it, they get it, then they live again. Good and generous, definitive, that's from the genesis. Unlimited, inhibited, look at all of these witnesses. Give you the business, it's taking body, homie, he finished it. I got a God, don't change with the season.
Can't you see I'm on a road? Been doing this since 16. Yeah. Rapping on the corner in the street. Yeah. Christ is God, I lost my father, but I never lose my peace. Yeah. Yeah. I think it king, reigning supreme. Ooh, winning with ease. Ooh, you think it's sweet. Yeah, I believe way crazy a thing. Cool, I see that he coming back. He said it, then I react. I got this thing in the bag. You go and laugh, I will be doing it last. Yeah. Worship in the mosh pit, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Singing my song. H-E-A-K to the second letter. Rebecca catches her breath. <laughs> we're going to go back into worship and we're going to do a couple songs. And at this time, the kids who would like to come demonstrate your worship flags um, or your dancing, you are welcome to come up front. And adults, you are welcome to grab a flag and join in as well, because this is not just for the children. So let me tell you, one of the, one of the things I got to teach our kids is in Psalms chapter 8, verse 2, it says that infants and children, when they begin to declare the strength and the goodness of the Lord, that the enemies are silenced. Okay, Psalms 8-2, when children and infants, that means babies in the very back row, they have the goodness of God in their hearts. And as we pray over them and as we begin to teach them, it is natural for them to begin to speak the goodness of God. And when they're faced with situations that in the middle of the night, when they're scared or when there's something going on, they can be begin to speak the goodness of truth of the Lord and their enemies have to be silenced. And this morning we're gonna sing Surrounded and that's what that is all about. This is how we fight our battles. We don't fight them with flesh and blood. We fight them declaring the goodness of the Lord. So if you will stand to your feet and I encourage you adults, you are welcome to come up and join in the worship.
tell you that this last week this pastor's heart was happy and proud of all these young kids and the helpers that were able to put on the praise project and I can tell you we're going to keep doing that every year should the Lord tarry amen if you didn't get to see Friday or see the some of the posts there was a lot of kids from the community a lot of unchurched kids that got to come and learn what it meant to worship the Lord we saw some families and some parents who wouldn't normally come into a church, come into the church and watch their kids worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and hear about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? Amen. I got excited when I began to watch these kids and how excited they were throughout the week. Worshiping, being free to worship. And I uh, began to wonder, I wonder what they'll be like in five or six years. In five or six years, they keep coming and, and learning what it is to minister before the Lord and worship before the Lord. I wonder what, what it's going to be like when they don't have the fears that most of us still carry as adults. I wonder what it's like when they're not going to care what other people are thinking. They're just worshiping before their Father, before the, before the Lord, with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all their mind, not having a care in the world what anyone else thinks about it. I don't know about you, but I know that's a good thing. I got to watch my own son after a couple days of the um, flag classes, and I heard music going on. After they, they had worked for four hours, it was hot. And I came home, and we were, what, what time were we getting home? Like 8 o'clock? 7.30, 8 o'clock? And I hear music going on, and I heard music going out, out, out front for 10 or 15 minutes at least. And I, I just thought maybe Jesse was doing his chores watering, because that's one of his roles out front, is to water the plants out front. And I began to go, man, that's been going on a while. So I go out and I look, and he's out in front of the house, out in the, out in the yard, in, in, in our little cul-de-sac, and he's just worshiping and flagging out in the front, front of the house, in front of the Lord and everybody. And I tell you what, I just had to come get a seat. I sat in the rocking chair and just watched him. I just thought, my Lord, I'd have never done that. I'd have never done that when I was his age. I'd have never been felt free to just go out front, outside, and worship the Lord like that. So I tell you what. When you can take, and I know my own encounters in my life, what freed me a lot in my, my life was leaving this country and going and worshiping the Lord and dancing before the Lord like the people in Kenya did. And I watched for a while, and then I felt the sort of, I want you to do that. And I thought, well, I don't know about that. You know, what are they going to think? You know, and what, before long, the Spirit of the Lord got so strong, and I just thought, man, what am I doing? I began to dance and worship the Lord, and, and that became a, a daily thing. And you worship the Lord for hours and hours and hours. And my, I, back then I used to always wear a tie. I'd wear a tie over there and my shirt was all tucked in and the slacks and that stuff just became a mess. My shirt was untucked. My tie was about hack around my neck. And I was sweating like crazy, losing weight, worshiping the Lord. And during that, the Lord was freeing a bunch of other areas in my life. Because I was letting control. I was letting go of the control. Like that, that song we were singing, God, I give you permission. 
That's a very interesting line to sing. I don't know if you were paying attention as you were singing. God, I give you permission. To see, the Holy Spirit is like a dove. He doesn't come and, and he doesn't force himself upon you. He comes and you have to submit and you have to relinquish the control and say, Lord, have your way in my life. Lord, have all of me. You know, Jesus, he comes and he knocks on the door of our hearts. He doesn't kick the door in. He doesn't force himself on us. And I would challenge you, when you're singing those songs and you're giving the Lord permission, God, I give you permission. My heart is yours. God, I give you permission. Come into every avenue of my life and take possession of it. Even the areas that we've kept hard in the dark, even the areas that we, haven't let, we don't want people to see or know about, God, I give you permission. Come into that area. I give it to you. Lord, if there's any good thing in it, redeem it. It's yours. And that's what he wants. He wants all of you. He wants all of the good things. He wants all of the bad. He wants all the hurt. He wants all the, all, he wants all the glory. He wants all of you. And he's not going to settle till he has it. Amen? So it does my heart good to see young people who are worshiping the Lord in freedom with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen? Amen. So you will see more of that. And if you don't like that, this probably won't be the church for you.